You're listening to Red Nation Online. Wednesday, May 4th. Steve Perry, Tim Vickery, and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from BMO Field and TFC's 1-0 win over FC Edmonton. Back to the new pod setup to find, once again, the microphones crap out. So we grew over the win, as well as what's in store for this weekend against Houston. Apologies for the short pod, an abrupt ending. We'll be back on Saturday after the Houston game. This is Eastside Stand Up. What are you back from? The second leg of the Neutral Light Cup or That's something? That's right. We've advanced. <laughs> We've advanced to the finals. Bring on the Whitecaps. This is it. After Redemption. A, it's, uh, it's, this must be certainly one of the quickest and smallest tournaments in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true enough. Yeah. And I think that was raised in the last podcast, right? We, we, what Are there possibilities to expand this? And we had a great uh, letter from Jay and Pickering. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Jay, for sending through such a uh, great email. It was uh, a lot of fun to read. Not only did he um, offer up a structure, but he offered up um, uh, possible ways that it could go uh, in terms of uh, a knockout or a round robin. And I think we were bantering around the, uh, Jay's thoughts, and we were thinking that the round robin sounded a lot better and easier and quicker to administer. But um, maybe we should get into the, what Jay said. Well, yeah, I think we just quickly off the top, he had, he had the idea of doing eight teams because you have four professional clubs, and then you have sort of like the two – uh, semi-pro, so two teams from the CSL and two teams from sort of the, the USL's lower divisions. So that'd be the, the PCSL or, the, or a PDL team, um, which is enough teams in Canada mm-hmm. to, to give, get you um, at least um, some variety as well uh, amongst that. And uh, I think the format we liked was the idea of having two group stages divided in regions. So you'd almost have like a West Coast, um, a West Coast group and an East Coast group, which give you you know, it would give you possibly, you know, the teams that are in BC, not just Vancouver, but there's Victoria as well. Um, and then if I'm not mistaken, well, you also have FC Edmonton. So there's the two professional teams out there. And then you have teams in Thunder Bay. You have a team in uh, Winnipeg this year. And I think there's one in between that I'm losing trust. Sault Ste. Marie, perhaps. Uh, and then going east, of course, there's there's Montreal and Toronto. But you also have like the Brantford Galaxy. Um, uh, Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton, Croatia was one that was mentioned. Um, I think the only thing, of course, if we if they ever decided to do a tournament longer, like oh, and he, he drew a good parallel to um, having eight teams and, and stretching it out between these these different divisions is that you know the, the U.S. Open Cup is a good example of a season long tournament. Um, I think that's the difference, though. Obviously, if I'm not mistaken, the U.S. Open Cup isn't used for any kind of qualifying. The MLS is used for what MLS is what determines which American teams go into the Superliga or the CONCACAF Champions League, while throughout the summer they'll be competing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open Cup, whereas Canada's using this tournament for their representation for the CONCACAF Champions League. I think the, uh, the like, a Western and an Eastern, uh, like, group stage, with the winner of both uh, groups uh, meeting to decide who will represent Canada, I think that's an excellent choice. And you could even, like, on a regional level, you could set up, like, uh, qualif- qualifications for the group stage. Yeah. You know, obviously that you'll have seeded teams, but you could have like a number of spots open up for like uh, 
like a, a secondary tournament to qualify to the to the the group stage. I think it's a great idea, and it's one that I don't know. I mean, I maybe as with so many things, probably Canadian soccer is described as in its infancy, so these things have to take a time to develop. But um, I think um, there certainly seems to be an, a nationwide uh, interest in soccer, and um, the the more teams that they're able to include in it, the better. And I. Uh, it is it is the most played sport in Canada. Yeah, sure, for sure. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that we uh, I got a copy of the uh, World Soccer, the latest issue, May, um, and there's a, a piece on Canada in here about the Vancouver team entering. And um, in some ways it kind of backs up what you're saying about the idea of having uh, sort of the regional, the playoff kind of um, idea. Um, the writer talks about the North, he calls it the Northwest experiment that MLSE is doing. So they talk. he talks about the... Seattle team and uh, Portland and Vancouver being um, an experiment that MLS is looking into. MLSE or M- sorry, MLS is oh, looking. Sorry. In, sorry, my mistake. MLS is looking into uh, in terms of creating uh, regional rivalries, right? Because the teams are close enough, and mm-hmm. they, you know they can travel with each other. And so maybe this will be the thing that'll come up. Like there'll be more some some more infilling with MLS um, as if the league expands further, right? So, yeah, I think for the development of Canadian uh, we can Canadian that, soccer, yeah. I think uh, the more the more the, the more opportunity there is to play and to compete, the the better. I just feel like this Neutralite Cup is kind of like, bleh. <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I don't get but, excited about it, but only no, be, only because there's a lack of teams. I yeah, think. it's like there's it no, could be better, right? Yeah, and it's not. It doesn't exactly fill you with, you know. Uh, even supporters of Toronto have won it two years in a row, you know, and they to talk about what Toronto has accomplished. It's like, yeah, we want we won a tournament. We beat two teams. Yeah. What's this? There's really nothing to get. It doesn't have any much substance. Yeah. And the, one of the things I like about like these, like the uh, the uh, US Cup, uh, the FA Cup, and many of these other sort of football um, uh, footballing tournaments around the world within their within their footballing associations. Is that they're really inclusive events where you have these tiny little minnows able to compete against like large clubs, and yeah. you get upsets. Yeah, you know, and you know what? The best team usually goes and ends and wins, but along the way, there's always a few upsets. So, yeah. and uh, I think it would be uh, personally, I think it would be uh, it would be better for Canadian soccer to have a, a more, more more opportunity for more teams to play. Um, but I, th- you know, I think. Um, they probably take the opinion that it's like in its early days, as it grows and gets more popular, there'll be more teams playing, and then the cost can be um, limited and or or managed, and then you know everyone will get a chance to play. Yeah. Anyway, we want to take time now to say thanks to Jay for the great suggestion. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. It's good. Very cool. Um, so getting back to tonight, we saw um, saw Toronto FC um, win uh, at home against Edmonton. Um, and uh, they uh, they they won the game through a. Uh, I missed the goal, unfortunately. I turned up just as he scored. Uh, Gordon scored the goal. Um, unfortunately, he had to leave the field later on through what appeared to be another groin injury. Yeah, I think he's re-injured um, his groin. But uh, the ball, uh, the service came from Plata, um, and it was a cross, and it was a great ball. And it's something that we saw a lot in the early, the first game against Edmonton, right? You, Sparky, you were commenting about the uh, Plata and Gordon working well together. Yeah, the first, first game, game, first game had, you know, as as is becoming the obvious or reoccurring theme is, you know, the defense 
wasn't outstanding, but in the first game moving forward, the, you you did see like a lot of nice linking up between uh, Plata, Gordon, uh, Oscar Crotone played in that game. Even Yurisowski was pushed forward, and the four of them were were working well together. And especially, but spe- specifically, um, Plata and Gordon. Um, well, they both seem to be uh, on the same well, page. Plata has a lot of pace, and he's also, I guess, because of his low center of gravity, he's got a lot of movement as well. And um, tonight, I thought he had a great game. He can possess the ball. He's got he, some finesse. Uh, yeah, we yeah. De- we described him, all of us, I think, as playing with finesse tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the the runs that he was able to generate, and when he was coming inside as well, the runs on the wing. But when he was switching it up and then running inside. He looked very dangerous, and it yeah. was unfortunate he didn't get a goal tonight. And it looked like at any moment he could have scored a goal. I felt like it. And maybe if the game had been like one or two minutes longer, he may have got his goal. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he did get a shot <coughs> in at the last two minutes, so yeah, good yeah he, shot. Was, he looked like as the game went on, his like sort of presence and his um, his um, I guess his confidence grew um, with every successful run that he was like pulling off, and he also seemed to be. Uh, as the game progressed, able to sort of dodge these rough challenges, he seems to be a bit of a magnet for, because he gets, does seem to get pushed off the ball quite easily. So yeah. one of the things I said to Spark was uh, he's going to have to learn how to go to ground. Like if someone gives him a good shove, just, mm-hmm. he's going to have to learn to start falling over yeah. and like getting the foul out of it. Because if they're going to play dirty, then yeah. he's got to learn to like uh, take opportunities from that. Yeah, for sure, and and even there was a, a complete shovey, like just it was. Oh yeah, there was. Like a two handed shove. You should have drawn the foul, but um, uh, the ref didn't see it for whatever reason. I don't know. Well, so all in all, uh, tonight's match, um, Edmonton didn't really look like they were capable of scoring. Although the, uh, they had that number, the, that player number twenty nine, uh, Kyle Porter, who uh, is from Mississauga, right? You were yeah, saying? Mississauga. It, it was a Whitecaps residency player. And uh, I'm trying to think of what his what his path was to getting Edmonton. I know that he obviously didn't didn't go through with Vancouver, and I feel like he might have trialed at Montreal before ending up at Edmonton, which is too bad. There's, it seems like there's a, you know you see that those stories where it looks like there's players that are good enough um, to make either you know get on an MLS squad or almost get on a USL squad and just kind of you know just through numbers or or contracts or whatever, just uh, it doesn't happen for them. And I think. Kyle Porter looked like he was he was decent enough, you know. Maybe it's a situation where he just needs to get time and and minutes and perform well at this level, and someone you know in MLS will will take notice. And he did look the most. Uh, he did look like the most uh, threatening out of the Edmonton uh, players. And, uh, uh, but they just seemed to lack confidence at the back uh, in the last like sort of twenty thirty yards. The, the they, they, they reminded me a lot of the way that Toronto has been playing, where they get to about the half. And then they start feeding the ball back instead of going forward with it because they don't either don't know what to do or they don't have the confidence to make the pass. So as far as a, an opposition were concerned, I didn't. I don't think they really sort of they they couldn't be described as a as a as a dangerous opposition or a threat. And I think Toronto did well tonight to limit their opportunities. And uh, we uh, certainly when Santos came on um, in the seventieth minute or was it? It was around. Yeah, yeah, sounds it was right. 16, yeah, it was Santos 69, came yeah. on when Gordon was injured, and um, that, there was a brief moment there where Toronto looked really quite like lively and dangerous. There was a lot of flick passes and movement of the ball that seemed to sort of baffle um, Edmonton. And uh, that period of the game, I think, was probably the most exciting for me. Yeah, because I remember up to that, up to about the seventieth minute, we were both sort of saying, "Like, man, we got to sit here for another twenty minutes." Yeah, it was kind of pedestrian when Santos came on. 
obviously injected some fresh legs, and he was linking up very well with Platter as well. Mm-hmm. At the 65th minute is when uh, the 64th minute Gordon went, was substituted. The Santos, uh, one minute later, has an accidental touch on the ball that almost scores. Oh yeah, that's right. The little bit, the little flick over the keeper. It was a bit, a bit comic relief. Yeah. Um, that was kind of unusual. We kind of all laughed at that. It just it's just wide of that post too. It's really <laughs> bizarre. No, anyway. There's yeah, a, a lot of good chances down the stretch, which is like, it's, not, I don't know, funny, but you know, like how it's just like the last, that last bit is kind of, I we, think, where we've come away from a game where if that, if that last little, but that wonder, last little, uh, yeah, usually the Toronto like fade in the last like 20, but they really, minutes. they really pushed it in the end. You know, even like players who didn't play well for most of the game, like we talked about Richard Eckersley. He dug deep at the end. Yeah, he did. He looked exhausted towards the end, but he definitely, uh, but he, went he back definitely stepped up. He yeah. definitely stepped up and because uh, through the the first pushed half, and pushed and pushed. Yeah, the first half and even into the second, you know, we were commenting that his touch looks really heavy and he seems a little it's bit clumsy, clumsy. Yeah. and he just kind of just you know puts you. Tim, you were describing him sort of as like that prototypical English footballer. Yeah, that's what he kind of looks like to me, like heavy on the foot. Yeah, heavy on the foot or heavy on the touch. Like, he didn't, like, have that kind of, that little bit of panache on the ball that, you know, that to guide it in the right direction. Yeah, and he just, uh, but then that, that last play, right, right. And it doesn't, it doesn't help that he was uh, paired up with Ty Harden either. No. Because the two of them are beside each other. Harden can't be, you know, and that's the thing is that when he's out, pushed out, you know, he wasn't um, directly, you know, 90 degrees off from Harden. He was pushed forward and Harden is just atrocious at distributing the ball forward. And so Eckersley's not going to get the service Eckersley, that he needs. Eckersley to... looked best uh, looked best when he was like moving at speed, mm-hmm. um, but I guess he's touched towards the end. He left it uh, to me a little bit long, too long on the ball. And then when because he doesn't have that deft touch to like do a little flick or a chip, yeah. he didn't like he ran into trouble. Yeah, but he, yeah. he's definitely his best period of the match was probably the last twenty minutes of the yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I also think that uh, uh, Borman had a good game tonight, mostly. For the most part, like at least in the first half, he uh, was threading through balls. He was making lots of passes. Everything was coming through Borman initially, or start being initiated from Borman uh, in the first half. And so, you know, he didn't have a great second half, but he didn't have an awful. No, he, had a, he had a good he first half. He, did, he had a couple of crosses that Again, was whereas, whereas he's Tony had awful Chani games as well. Tony Chani was being pushed way up the field he as looked well. Great he too was looking tonight. like an attacking midfielder. Yeah, and um, he looked. Uh, whereas Yurizowski was kind of. Uh, drop back in his place. So um, they kind of switched. Like up all in all, I mean, like scores out of ten, Steve. Like, what would you give the performance? Well, I, I don't know if I would score it out of ten. I, let me think about that for a second. But I, I do want to think that I do want to say that I think it was uh, the best game I've seen come out of this team. If I could say that, I'm trying to be positive here. No, no, uh, I'm trying to think if there's a better game. You you rate this game higher than the Columbus game? No, I would hate this. I would say the best game I've seen out of this. Um, I just I, think I would th- say the best game that I've seen this team play is against San Jose. That second half, yeah. This yeah. was the Steve because I do think I do think we should put in perspective that yeah, even though Edmonton okay, is shit, we beat Edmonton last week three 0 when they were down to ten men. Even though it was on the road, that's that's sort of something significant. But let's not forget, at home, against an expansion NASL team, we only won one nil. Yeah, no, we, we, we should. So I agree that the, you need to put context to this. But I think that because the team was so bad, we looked a lot better than we have. You know what? Teams. I uh, we you know what we we. I don't take it back. I Edmonton, think, uh, okay, okay. Edmonton tonight looks like we do against when we're playing against a, a much better team. Yeah. 
So we had the advantage this time around. So because we were playing such a crappy team, we looked good. And I think we got a chance to see them try and do some things that we don't normally do. I mean, this was our one opportunity, really, to see us uh, see if we do have an attacking formation, which, you know, sometimes we did. But most times it was sort of accidental. Yeah. And we were saying on the way back too that it was, I was almost, I thought it was almost unfortunate that, uh, you know, a few of the younger guys didn't get a, a run out because this is the kind of opponent that, like, you know, it was good to see Plata get a full 90 minutes. And I get don't think chance. they were ever going to do that. I don't think they were ever going to do that because uh, the Nutrilite Cup, like, even though we were 3 0 up after the first round, there was no chance, I don't think, of Aaron Vinter. Uh, chancing losing this game by any any margin because this is the this this neutralite cup represents the only opportunity there is to sort of progress within any sort of football in like competition i also think it's our only opportunity to win something yeah that's what i mean like it's i mean period yeah league whatever (laughs) yeah that's it Uh, and and i think and i think the uh the other thing is that i I think that we only tried players um, when we got into trouble so de guzman was injured uh at the around the just after they were always going to play their starting 11 or whatever the starting 11 is but we did get to see uh uh, the draft pick uh gold matt gold Gold. yeah and he doesn't look so bad i mean i wish he could get into part of the game so we could see more of them. Uh, Just uh, talking about draft picks, uh, Sparky, you were telling me about the draft pick that Toronto Hmm. should have had. Well, I didn't... I've very loosely done my research on the first top 10 picks Mm -hmm. in the MLS draft, and and I'm positive in and around what our eighth... I think our our pick was eighth overall is uh, was Houston and Kansas City. And I know Kansas City's draft picks scored in the first weekend... But I think Houston must have had nine or ten, if I'm not mistaken, and they drafted Will Bruin, who scored a hat trick uh, last weekend. And uh, we and have and Nathan that's, Sturgis, and who's, that's what who's we traded out. the uh, we traded the draft pick for Sturgis. Yes, yeah, we traded the draft pick for Sturgis. That's unfortunate. And I'm trying to remember. I think I think that's who uh, Vancouver drafted um, a midfielder, and I'm drawing a blank on his name uh, from Akron. So I mean, there was there was talent in there, and and of course, you know, our our trade, the player we traded for, is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, where is he? And it's he's just sitting on the bench. He's he's not good enough. Mm. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's and we were bizarre. talking about these, um, like the drafts have represent such a great opportunity to get, you know, so much potential and fit and young uh, players who can get on a pretty cheap contract. Um, um, I I've, I think as an organization, like trading draft picks should be outlawed, because if they have if they want to like get that find that diamond in the rough that, mm-hmm. that that great bonus player, why would you be trading that as those options away to get like Sturgis? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's a cry. I mean the NCAA is a complete crapshoot. Sure, yeah. Right, and it's like it's hard to to actually you know people who do the their due diligence it usually pays off, but. Um, no, you're right. I mean, wh- why not take the chance? They're getting an entry-level contract, right? And, and, and they're 23-24. And like you mentioned, which is a valid point, you know, coming out of the NCAA, these kids are going to be in Eastside Stand-Up is the only TFC-specific podcast breaking down the game, the home game at least, right after it happens. We want you to get involved. So if you're watching the game at home or even through the week, come up with something, Email us at haveyoursay at rednationonline.ca and help direct the discussion. Get your opinion across 
of what happened on the pitch today. 